Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Brian Sparks. Come on, turn to your neighbor on your right. Say, you need to address the mess. It is so good. We, Crystal uh, mentioned that we were gone last week, and I'm telling you, uh, there is no place like the church rc in my opinion i love this community of believers and i love what god is doing here and uh and we're uh if, if you were here how many of y'all were here and you got to hear my pastor uh preach last week come on somebody i got to listen to the podcast and uh, you know it was such a an amazing word i i uh, my dad is my pastor and so i've heard that word more times than i can count and uh, I think every time I hear it, it gets better, and he does a better job at every time. And so I listen to the podcast, and so uh, we're wrapping up a series called Address the Mess today. And, uh, and so here, here's the thing is, is that we believe that you need to address your mess. And so we've kind of taken some different uh, approaches to this. And if you miss, maybe you're here and you're like, well, I haven't heard any of the messages. You can always go online, thechurchrc.com, and you can listen to the messages to catch up. Uh, or you can go to iTunes and listen to them there. Uh, because here's the thing is we are bigger than these four walls. We have people that listen all over the world. And so would you do me a favor and give a big welcome to all of our online, Church RC family community Listening via podcast We love you We're so excited to have you with us And so God is good, amen And uh, I'm excited about this this message And uh, so if you have a Bible Turn to Matthew The book of Matthew We're going to read in the 18th chapter The 21st verse Matthew 18 21, and we're going to read a little bit of scripture. You okay with that? I feel like this. I've always been told that if you just read a lot of Bible, you preach no matter if your message is good or not, right? Because the Bible's good no matter what. So Matthew 18, 21 through 35. It says this, Then Peter came to him, him being Jesus, and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him up to seven times. Seven seems like a good number, right? I don't know about you, but it seems like a good number. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. That's a whole lot. And Jesus said this, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. That is a whole lot of money. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. This is serious. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me. And I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion. I don't know about you, but I am grateful for compassion. And released him and forgave him the debt. Now, just real quick, this isn't in my message, but I just want to point out that the man asked for an extension. 
And what he was given was a pardon. He just asked for a little more time. But what the master gave him was a complete and total pardon. But that servant went out after being forgiven and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, a whole lot less, and laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into the prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father also will do to you if you if you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. I can already tell this is going to be a really popular message, but if you're taking notes, you can title this message messier. Messier. Lord, right now, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you that every ear in here is open and receptive to hear your word. Lord, they didn't come to hear a word from man. They've come to hear a word from you. And so, Lord, right now, I pray that you would use me to speak to the hearts of your people. That every heart be open for the seed of the word of God. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Have you ever made a mess messier? Come on, in your, tri- in your attempt to try to make it better, you end up making it worse. Uh, you know, I uh, have one, I've done this many times in my life, but one time really stood out to me as I was preparing this message. In fact, it's amazing because as you're preparing a message, it's amazing uh, how much you have to deal with the thing that you're preparing for, Right? Y'all, y'all should feel sorry for me because I have to live this out every day of the week as I'm getting ready. In fact, I'm talking about address the mess, and it seemed like messes just happen, right? I was sitting there, and in our offices, we have some offices, and our office sink is a little crooked. And so some genius decided, and I'm not saying who, but decided since we have a crooked sink that I'm going to, and this is porcelain, and I'm going to put a glass jar on this sink of soap. Before, we had plastic, but now it's glass. And so I wash my hands after I go to the restroom. Amen, that's good, right? I get soap in my hands, and all of a sudden, this jar falls off onto the ceramic tile and goes everywhere. Now, here's the thing. It was a full jar of liquid soap, and now it is I literally thought about shutting the door and saying, let's just move. Right? You ever thought that? Like, let's just move. It's easier. Crystal was telling me one day she was uh, making, uh, making, uh, trying to do some juice, and she forgot to put the lid on the blender. 
She hit the button, and it went all over the roof. Come on, somebody. You ever had that all over the ceiling? It was everywhere. And she really thought, it's better just to move. Let's just leave. Like, we'll sell the house. It's, it's as, just shut the door. It, it is what it is. It is, it, you just leave it alone. But one time, I, I had a, a, a situation where I actually made a mess, messier. And uh, I used to like to ride bicycles, like, you know, 18 speeds, and I, I, I enjoyed that. It was just part of what I, I like doing. My, me and my dad used to do it quite a bit together. And, and, uh, and, and I was out riding. I was doing about a 25-mile ride, and I was coming back home. And, and, and if you know anything about riding a bicycle, you have these little, play, uh, these little holsters for water bottles, right? You get thirsty out on the road. And so, you know, I'm moving along at a pretty good clip. I'm going pretty fast, and I get, go down to get a drink, and I pull it out of the holster. I get a drink, and I'm putting it back in. And as I'm putting it back in, it decides that it doesn't want to go in where it's supposed to go, and so it falls on the road, which isn't a big deal. Normally, it happens. You just stop, and you get the water bottle, right? You just pick it up. But this particular water bottle was filled with Satan. It's the only thing I can describe. Because it decided that it was going to bounce up off the pavement and go in between my spokes on my back tire. Now, what happens at that moment is all your forward momentum in the bicycle stops immediately. But you don't stop. Because you now then what happened was is that I went flying over the handlebars. Come on. Some of you are like, man, I would pay money to see that <laughs> right now, right? And I flew over the handlebar. Now, I'm not sure because it happened so fast, but I'm pretty sure I did a, a, a flip. The only time in my life that I've ever landed a flip. And, but what happened was is I put all of my weight and all of my weight landed on my right knee. And I slid for, for what felt like 100 yards on my right knee, pushing gravel and everything else into my knee, right? Painful, not good. That's why I don't ride bikes anymore, okay? I've learned that working out is deadly. So, so here I am, I get up, and I, I mean, I've got blood all down my leg. I'm like, hey, you know what? Toughen up, buttercup. I get back on the bike, I head on home. I get to the house, of course, I have to, and, and you, know, you know what you do immediately when you fall or do something stupid? What do you do? You look around right? And then once you look around, then you can start checking for injury, right? So I walked into the house, and of course, I had to explain what happened to my wife, which is embarrassing enough, and she's a laugher when you fall or hurt yourself. She just laughs, which kind of hurt my pride a little bit, but, but you know what? I just went about life. I had this massive wound on my leg, and I, I, you know, I, I kind of washed it up a little bit, kind of did the best I could with it, and I just went about life, and, uh, and, you know, I just acted like it didn't happen. Come on, I'm not telling anybody else about this wound. It's embarrassing. I don't want anybody else to know about it. And so I just kind of went about life, and I'm, and I'm going to work. I'm going to church. I'm doing everything that I usually do. But, but a few days in, I realized that the wound isn't healing. In fact, it's becoming more and more painful. The longer I go, the more painful it becomes, and, you know, I was like, it's going to be fine. It's no big deal. Come on, put, pour a little rubbing alcohol on it. It'll be good. And, and so I, I'm just like, you know what, it's going to be fine. But then I noticed that it's starting to look a little green around the edges. And I'm like, this isn't good. But then what happens is, is then I start running fever, which is bad. 
now. I know that that's not good, right? So I have this fever of unknown origin, but I, and I think it's of unknown origin, but the truth is, is that now my knee is badly infected. But I keep on. Come on, I'm a hard-headed guy. I just, oh, it's going to be good. It's fine. It's no big deal. And then only, w- the only time that I decided that I need to seek professional help is when I begin to have pus pockets all up and down my leg. Come on, not just at the wound anymore. Now they're on my ankle. They're on my thigh. They're all over my right leg. And so I finally told my wife, I think I need some help. This is not good. I think I need help. And the reason why I tell you this story is because I think every one of us have been wounded at some point in our lives. And the thing is, is that, yeah, we've had physical wounds, but those aren't the ones that really hurt us the most. The wounds that hurt us the most are emotional wounds. And the fact that you get an emotional wound is just a part of life, but the thing that affects us the most and has the greatest impact on our lives is not the fact that we have the wound, it's how we deal with the wound after the fact. And a lot of people are carrying around wounds that they're just like, oh, it's no big deal. They won't deal with it. They won't expose it. They won't tell anybody else about it. They just keep on going about their life. But there's this wound that is beginning to affect their life. And I think one of the, the biggest ways that we can make a wound messier is by living a life of unforgiveness. The fact is, is wounds are going to happen to you. I hate to tell you this, but the world is full of jerks, right? You're going to run into jerks. If you're waiting for God to remove all the jerks, you're going to be waiting a long time. And so the fact is, is that wounds happen to us, but it's the way that we deal with the wound that has the greater impact on our life. You know, I found this, that Christians can be some of the most unforgiving people on the planet. This is going to be a popular message. Christians can be some of the most unforgiving people. I know, I know Christians who pride themselves in the grudge they hold. Like, I can hold a grudge better than anybody. Come on, some of you are like, oh, my gosh, that's my neighbor. Oh, my gosh, that's my mother-in-law. Shh. The truth is, is there are people that pride themselves in how unforgiving they are. I've I've seen it over. I've been in ministry for a long time, and it's amazing to me how Christians are some of the most unforgiving people. And what happens is, is we become like the servant in the parable. And we get up and we talk about, we post on Facebook, God's mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness and all that's good. We sing songs like, I stand in your grace. Come on, we just sing, we just sang a song about standing in God's grace. And we sing songs about amazing grace. And we love podcasts about how good God's grace is. And all the while we're doing that, we have a hold of somebody's neck and saying, I will not forgive until you apologize or you repay. And we've been forgiven of a debt that we could not repay, that we could never repay. Come on, I don't know if you know this or not, but because of God's grace, hell is no longer your home. You've been bought with the blood of Jesus. And so here's the thing, is that we've been forgiven a debt that we could never pay. We have our hands around someone that did us wrong. And we refuse to let go until they make it right. 
We refuse. We want to hold them prisoner until they make it right. And here's what's crazy, church, is the person you're hurting is not the one you're not forgiving. The person you're hurting the most is yourself. The person that you're hurting the most, you think, I'm choking the life out of somebody, and the person you're choking the life out of is yourself. That's why over and over and over again in the Bible, God says, forgive. Forgive others. Come on, forgive them. Just forgive them. And some of you are going, you don't know, I can't forgive. You don't know what they did to me. I don't know what they did to you, but I'm here to tell you that you can forgive. You can. Here's the thing, is that God would never tell you to do something you didn't have the ability to do. If he were to do that, he would be a cruel God. But the fact that he says this, I want you to forgive, means that you have it in your ability to be a forgiving person. Have you ever noticed how forgiving children are? Come on, when they're young, I'm not talking about when they're teenagers. When kids are young, you, come on, you can discipline a child, and five minutes later they're hugging on your, your leg telling you how awesome you are. They forgive, they forget, they move on. Two kids can get into a fight and be out playing with each other while the parents are still fighting. Why? Because it's in our DNA to be a forgiving person. Here's the thing. Let me just tell you this. Forgiveness is natural. Unforgiveness is learned. God has made you to be a forgiving person. Can I just prove this to you? In Genesis 1.27, it says this. God, so God created man in his own image or in his own likeness. In the image of God, he created him. Come on, male and female. Girls, you're not off the hook. Male and female, he created them. So if you have the image of God, that means you bear some of his likeness. So that means that if God is merciful, you have the ability to be merciful. If God is compassionate, you have the ability to be compassionate. Some of you are like, no, my, no my, my, not my wife. She's not compassionate at all. If God is forgiving, that means he has put the ability to be a forgiving person on the inside of you. What comes natural to children is unlearned as you get older. That's why you think, I can't forgive. But the truth is, is that God has put the ability on the inside of you to be forgiving. Here's the thing, as I have two children, and as, as a father, my job is to speak to their potential. Right? Come on, parents, you with me? My job is to speak to their potential, so that means when they bring home a bad grade from school, I tell them, you need to get your grades up. You need to study harder. You need to work harder. You need to get this grade up. Why do I tell them that? Because I know that they are smart, so they have the ability to raise the grade. When I walk into their room and it looked like World War III happened in the room, I say, you need to clean this mess up. Why? Because I know that they have the ability to keep their room clean. 
Here's the thing is that I've never walked up to my kid and said, here's the deal, Braley and Ryland, I want you to become Japanese. Why? There's nothing wrong with being Japanese. But the reason why I haven't asked them to become something that, that, that they can't become is because it's not in their DNA to become that thing. So it would be cruel for me to expect something that they have no ability to do. It doesn't matter how hard they work. It doesn't matter how, how hard they try. They have two Caucasian parents. Therefore, they will always be Caucasian. And the same thing goes for you. So if God says this, I want you to forgive others as I have forgiven you, that means that you have the ability, it's in your DNA, to be a forgiving person. This is good preaching. God will always speak to your potential. He won't always speak to your problem. Some of you are praying about your neighbor or your husband or your mother-in-law. And the only thing God seems to be dealing with is you. Because they're still just as evil. Here's the thing is that God, sometimes it's more about you than it is about the other person. God is always concerned about you. He's always concerned about taking you farther. He's always concerned about taking you higher and getting you to where he wants you to go. God will always speak to your potential. He won't always speak to the problem. What is forgiveness? Can I just touch on this just a bit? Forgiveness. The definition for forgiveness is this. It's a decision to no longer credit the offense to the offender. This is a math term, and if it was on a calculator, it would be the clear all button that brings it, the, the total to zero so that you can begin again. Here's the thing. You'll notice, not so they can begin again, so you can begin again. That is what the definition of forgiveness Here's the thing is forgiveness is a decision you make, not an emotion you feel. If you're waiting to feel like forgiving somebody, you're going to be waiting a really long time. Come on. Sometimes you just got to forgive. How many of you married people, you understand this. You get into a fight with your spouse and y'all both stay mad at each other for days and days. And finally you got to go, enough's enough already. Like, let's move on. Let's just move on. And the truth is, is because you got to understand it's a decision. Your feelings might never change, but you make a decision and you make your mind up that I'm moving on and I'm going to forgive. Forgiveness isn't saying that the other person was right. I think that's where a lot of us stumble in forgiveness because we think that if we forgive, we're saying they're right. That, they're okay, that they, what they did was right. But can, can I just say... That, that there's nothing farther from the truth because that would mean this, that every time you ask God for forgiveness, he was saying your sin was okay. And that's not what God does. God forgives because he's gracious, not because you're right. So when you forgive somebody, you're not saying you're right, you did the right thing, that, that what you did to me was okay. That's not what you're saying. You're saying, I forgive you not because you're right, but because I'm choosing to move forward with grace. Forgiveness 
doesn't mean reconciliation. Okay? I get this a lot because I have people say, well, if I forgive them, do I have to let them back into my life? No, sometimes you need to keep those crazy people out of your life. They're out of your life for a reason. You need to leave them out of your life. But what forgiveness is, is literally this, that maybe they're crazy and they're going down, but you're cutting a a rope that is attached to, to them, and you're saying, you know what, I'm done. It's fine. I forgive them. I'm letting them go. I'm letting them move forward. They can stay crazy, but I'm moving forward. So forgiveness is not always reconciliation, but sometimes it is. Forgiveness doesn't show weakness. It actually shows your strength. Edwin Chapin said this, Never does a human soul appear so strong as when it forgives revenge and dares to forgive an injury. Never does the human soul appear so strong. Forgiveness is more of a gift to yourself than it is a gift to others. Forgiveness is more of a gift to yourself than it is a gift to others. Can I just give you a few things why I believe it's important for us to be, as Christians, as Christ followers, to walk in forgiveness? Can I give you a few things? Are you with me? You with me? Come on, nudge your neighbor and say, wake up. Wake up. The first reason I think that it's important for us to live a life of forgiveness is this, so that our minds can be free to move forward. So that our minds can be free to move forward. The great theological group in Vogue once said this, free your mind and the rest will follow. Come on, somebody, 90s kids, you are like, oh, get it, get it. (laughs) Free your mind and the rest will follow. The reason why this is such a true statement is because whatever you choose to focus your mind on will multiply in your life. Huh? Whatever you choose to focus your mind on keeps multiplying in your life. Let me just prove this to you. Have you ever bought a car and after you drive off the lot, you notice that car everywhere you go? Come on. It seems like everybody is driving that car now. It's brand new to you, but now you see, man, there's cars. This car is everywhere. Everybody's driving a Kia. Come on. Everybody has this car. The reason why that is is not because there's all of a sudden more cars on the road. It's because you're focused on that car. So therefore, what you're focused on begins to multiply in your life, and you begin to see it everywhere you go. Now, here's the thing. is Some of you are so hurt and so offended that everywhere you go, offense follows. Hmm. Some of you, everywhere you go, you, you see a fence, and it seems like every relationship you get into and every church you go to, they, there's a fence that follows you, and you think that they're the problem, but the truth is, is whatever you're focused on will continue to multiply in your life. And you keep sabotaging relationship after relationship after relationship because you're holding on to a grudge or a hurt somebody gave to you 10 years ago in a relationship. And so that keeps multiplying in your life. And nobody can ever get it right. 
Can I just ask you this question? Is it possible that the people in your life and the people that love you and care about you have never seen 100% of you? Because 10% of you is in that, is carrying hurt from that old relationship. And 20% of you is carrying hurt from your parents, your father. And another 10% of you is dealing with some hurt that a friend gave to you. And so you are only got 60% in the relationship. Because 40% of you is already out the door. You've already got 40% out the door, and you're given 60%, and, you, and you're asking them, give me 100% of you, but you're only given 60% of you. Here's the thing is that you cannot keep expecting a maximum withdrawal when you're giving a minimum deposit. And some of you need to stop comparing your ex to that old ex because that's not them. Some of you need to quit comparing your husband to your father. You need to let it go so that your mind can be free to move forward. Whatever you focus on multiplies in your life. The second reason you need to forgive so that your hands are free to grab what's next. Pastor Jimmy, can you come here real quick? Give it up for Pastor Jimmy. Come on. I have to show you this, okay? I just have to show it to you. So that my hands are free to grab what's next. So if I have a hold of hurt and pain, come on, and resentment and anger, now he's got a $100 bill in his hand and I want that $100 bill. Because what he has, come on, is better than what I have. What am I going to do with this old pulpit? Come on, are you with me? What he has, I can spend that $100. I got a new jacket I want. I can spend that $100, but what I have, I won't let go of, and I can't grab a hold of what's next because I'm unwilling to let go of past hurt. And until I set it down, I can't reach out and grab what he's offering me. And here's the thing. You ain't getting it back. Here's the thing, church is that some of you are holding on with both of your hands to past hurt, to past anger, to past resentment, and God is saying, I have something so much better for you. If you'll just set what you have down, if you'll just let that person go, if you'll just let it alone, I'm telling you, I've got something better for you. Let me put it to you this way, church. You will never reach your destiny until you're willing to let go of your history. And some of you keep blocking your future because of a past hurt. Some of you keep blocking relationships because of past pain. And God is saying this, I have something greater Come on, the Bible says, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, to give you a hope, to give you a future. But some of you don't see the future because you won't let go of the past. And you think I'm choking them 
But in reality, you're choking yourself. The last thing, and I'm done. We forgive so that our hearts can be free to receive all that God has for us. So that our hearts are free. You know, there's no greater example of this than the example when Jesus is dying on the cross. And while Jesus is dying on the cross, he's been nailed to the cross. His arms are extended. He's been abused. He's been tortured. The people that abused him are still mocking him, are at his feet mocking him. And he says this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That means this, that Jesus understood that forgiveness is so important that I'm going to stop dying to do it. Because I understand that my heart needs to be completely free from the pain and the hurt of the past. It's not they never asked for forgiveness. They, did, they weren't sitting there going, would you please forgive me? We're so sorry for what? No, they're still mocking him. The blood is still flowing. The pain is still real. And he stops dying in a moment and says, Father, forgive them because I want my heart to be free to receive everything that you have for me because what you have for me is greater than the pain from my past. So in this moment, in this moment, while it's still happening, I let them go. Because I want my mind free to move forward. I want my hands free to grab what's next. And I want my heart free so that I can receive everything and everyone that you have for me. Stand on your feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one's looking around. I just feel this so strong. Some of you, are holding on and refusing to forgive someone that isn't even alive anymore. The truth is, is they couldn't make it right, even if they, even if you wanted them to. And you keep on saying, you don't understand the pain that they caused, the abuse that occurred. Here's the thing, church, is that I don't, but I know a God who does. He suffered. And he understands every pain and every hurt that you've ever been through. And the thing is, church, is you got to understand that sometimes you just got to make a step. 
Say, God, I don't know how I'm going to forgive them. I don't know how I'm going to let it go. But God, the day I make a decision, it's not based on my feelings. It's the decision that I'm going to forgive so that I can move on, so that I can grab hold of, and that I can receive everything that you have for me. I'm tired of holding on to my past. And I'm ready to move towards my future. every head bowed, every eye closed. No one's looking around. God, you see every heart. You see every hurt. You see every pain. You've seen the nights they've cried themselves to sleep. And Lord, we've covered the wound for too long tried to act like it's okay we'll get over it but Lord this morning today Lord we expose the wound and we say God I need help to forgive and what happens church is when you say God I just need your help to forgive you take a step and he begins to fill you with grace love and mercy Lord, right now we make a decision to let it go, to let the hurt go, the pain go. Lord, right now I pray that forgiveness would flow in this place. Lord, let forgiveness flow in this place. I know it's not easy. Lord, let forgiveness flow. Let us be a church that is forgiving that doesn't just receive forgiveness, but gives forgiveness freely. Not because they're right, because we've been given so much. At The Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at thechurchrc.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Church RC. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, you can email us at amen at thechurchrc.com.